We continue today with a series of messages from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Last week I gave a quick overview of the historical context of this book, mentioning that the prophet's life and ministry spanned a long period of time across the late 8th and 7th centuries BCE. One detail I did not mention last week is the fact that the last 27 chapters of Isaiah speak in detail about a time much later. In fact, over 200 years later than the beginning of Isaiah. So it's been fairly clear to most biblical scholars that this book contains the words of Isaiah, the one mentioned in chapter one, the son of Amos, A-M-O-Z, but also contains the words of those in his tradition or his school of prophets. So here's why I bring this up today. This chapter that we have before us stands as a kind of a bridge between that earliest Isaiah and the later material. This chapter in verse 8 tells about a highway that leads to Zion, which Isaiah mentions in chapter 11, but also it references the restoration and the salvation of those who are far from home, verse 10, which anticipates the the messages of chapters 40 to 55, what we refer to as the return from exile the exile, the Babylonian exile, returning home, homecoming. Homecoming is a major theme in those chapters. It's this last theme that dominates the end of chapter 35, the one we just heard. And I'd like us to explore this a little this morning. Homecoming. Over 20 years ago, we held a spiritual writing workshop here at Mountain View. Very few of you in this room were there. (laughs) But it was led by the late Reverend Dr. David A. Redding, who is a good friend of ours, who's from Ohio. He came out and preached here at Mountain View. And he uh, taught this workshop on a Saturday morning Uh, Dr. Redding was a fascinating guy. He he had a wonderful, funny, engaging way of leading groups and and speaking. He He was amazing. But he always used sharing questions when he had groups that came together. Perhaps you've wondered why Chris Mason always has sharing questions uh, or others. This is one of the reasons. And his first sharing question that day for that writing workshop was, how did you leave home? And I thought, when I heard the question, oh, that's kind of a basic question. It's easy, how'd you leave home? Not a very interesting question, but I guess it's a good way to start a group. But then, as we went around the room that day, the 25 or so people who gathered, I was amazed at the stories I heard. 
the way people left home. Some with great joy and anticipation because of getting married or maybe going off to school. And some others were nothing short of heartbreaking. Including one older man, I will never forget this. One older man, kind of a grisly older fellow who was part of the church back then. And I couldn't believe it. He simply just broke down and wept as he told of his mom and his dad and his siblings and the tragic way he lost his place at home at an age when most of us were still fairly dependent on the safety and the comforts of childhood kinds of things that our parents are able to provide for us when we're kids. At too early an age, that was all taken from him. And he was on his own and alone. His story was one of an early loss of innocence and a, and a boy whose carefree life was prematurely stolen from him. He was a sensitive kid who needed his family. And they weren't there for him. And it was just heartrending watching him sob as he recounted the events that happened well over a half century earlier. As if they were yesterday. Leaving home can hurt. And choosing to leave home can be painful enough, especially if you quickly come to realize that you've made a mistake in doing so, right? I remember stories from my own father who basically ran away from home in the, in the summer of 1932, age 16, and he rode the rails from Missoula, Montana to Seattle. 1932. <laughs> and... He had some troubling experiences that actually worked to change his attitudes toward his strict disciplinarian father, who was, uh, by the way, the mayor of Missoula. But being at home with dad suddenly seemed a better option than what he found in those Depression-era hobo encampments of Washington, Idaho, and, Wash and, and Montana. By the way, did you know that the word hobo is quite possibly short for homeward bound? I found that out recently. I thought that was interesting. So my dad, he chose to return home. And he ended up attending high school and college and he eventually got married and moved to Seattle in the fall of 1941 just before Pearl Harbor was bombed. And they went on to have eight children, and thankfully not seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what if you lost your home because of events totally out of your control? So this was the case for most of those to whom Isaiah's first prophecy was given. You know, sure. 
there was an aspect of this that was, it, it was, that was judgment. It was caused by their own sin and they were exiled from their home because of the judgment of God. But by the time they were thinking of returning home, it would have been years and years later and it would have been their grandparents who were mostly to blame. Yeah, those who heard this prophecy were, had likely grown up hearing about the way those first flowers showed up late in the winter. Dan, they're called crocuses. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but those, those flowers that came early, early in the spring, bursting into bloom in a veritable symphony of color and splendor covering the hillsides of Lebanon to the north and Sharon, on the coast and Carmel to the west. They had heard their parents and grandparents refer to this wonderful place, this place called Palestine, a place that was their true home. And though they could not go there, they could not live there because they lived in exile in Babylon. But that was, her, that was their home and it was special. But here comes the Isaiah prophecy saying, you will be able to go home. In fact, the way home will be safe, verse nine. And it will be like a traveling worship and song experience, verse 10. It will be a joyful journey, a wonderful homecoming. Isaiah says, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come home to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Here at Mountain View, we have often spoken of the fact that God is always trying to restore what has been broken by evil and sin. Before we had this sign up here, we had a sign up for a long time that said restoration. This is the God who saves, who rescues those who are lost, who finds those who have wandered and brings them home. You know, it is no surprise really that the story Jesus is most remembered for telling is one of homecoming. The son who, who levels the worst possible insult at, as, at his father. Give me my inheritance now so I can leave home. Basically saying to his dad, I can't wait until you're dead. And after he finally came to himself in that far off land, the son, what did he do? Yeah, he, he headed for home. It's a parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, but it's also a powerful story of homecoming with, with a, that 
unforgettable image of the father watching and waiting for his boy, his, his son, and seeing him far down the road and running to embrace him, not even giving him a chance to recite his well-rehearsed speech of repentance before he, he showers him with kisses, saying, quickly, bring my best robe, a ring, sandals for his feet, kill the fatted calf, let's eat and celebrate. And then those iconic words, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Of course, there is more to the story than this. The older brother and all that. But the message is clear from Jesus. The same God who welcomed home the exiles from Babylon still welcomes home anyone who wanders away from him and then turns in repentance of their disobedience and sin. Anyone who takes that first step homeward, anyone who realizes they're lost and reaches out for help, anyone. I have a question for you today. Are you far from home? Now I realize you, you're here in worship today. <laughs> but if you're honest, re really honest, do you feel like you've wandered away from home in terms of your relationship with God? Can you be truthful with yourself? Home is that place where you're safe, where you belong, the place where in spite of poor choices, bad breaks, errors of judgment, that place where things are still okay. Because there are those waiting at home who love you unconditionally simply because you are you. I'm here to tell you today that the best picture we have of God is that of a patient parent who's always looking down the road for a lost daughter, a lost son, waiting for them to come home. For you, it may be more helpful to think of God yearning for you as a mother yearns for a lost child. And there are scriptures that suggest God is all of the above in terms of those images. A mother hen gathering her chicks under her wings, as Jesus said, Luke 13, 34. And a loving father running to meet you as in the story of the prodigal. Luke 15. But listen, if you are far from home this morning, 
God is waiting with open arms for you. I am confident of this. As it says in this passage from Isaiah, God has everlasting joy to place upon you. God has joy and gladness in store for you. God desires that sorrow and sighing shall flee from you. So come home. Come home. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask that everybody in the room bow your heads, even if they don't normally do that today. As I was preparing this message, I just... I just sensed that today might be an important day for some, of, some folks in this, in this room. And I would appreciate it if you would all just close your eyes and bow your heads. That would be great. For you today, you might sense that, that God is calling you home. And if that is true of you today, I'm just going to ask something very, very simple. That you just look up at me and make eye contact today. That's all I'm going to ask. Just make eye contact. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we don't do invitations at this church very often. And this is not going to be the traditional kind of invitation, but I am going to invite you to have a conversation and to pray with me or with Pastor Dan or with the people who are um, our, our prayer ministry folks who are always there on Sunday mornings before you leave this room today. Just come and pray, if that would help. And if not, sometime this week, call me or Dan. It's important, if this is true of you, if you feel like you're wandering and, and it's time to go home, it's important to let someone else know so someone can be praying with you. It's as simple as that. Father, I thank you that you are hearing our hearts this morning. I thank you that you have given us this amazing invitation to come home to you. Lord, for those who are needing to, to start home to, to you today, God, I pray that you would give them the courage to stay and pray this morning courage maybe to make a phone call or write an email to me or Dan or someone who can pray with them on this journey home. Lord, I just thank you so much that, that you are there with open arms. No matter how far we've wandered, and that you desire 
to have that close relationship with us. Not that everything will suddenly be perfect. But it is so close to, it is so important to be in close relationship with our Father who loves us more than anyone. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to, to receive the offering this morning. And again, after the final song, if you like,